Welcome to Forward Ever, Leading in Challenging Times, presented by Worth Wealth Management, a weekly conversation with area leaders about how to persevere during uncertain times. Now here's your host, Gary Shorman. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Forward Ever, Leading in Challenging Times. It's good to have you listening on because we have a special program today that's going to talk about how Kansas developed and some of the most important things there. Our guest is Leo Oliva, who is going to be speaking on Thursday, this coming Thursday night, at the Ellis Historical Society talking about railroads and the importance of railroads and how they shaped not only Kansas, but how they shaped our country. So Leo, welcome to our program today. Thank you. I want to talk about, we talk about leading and challenging times, obviously when the railroads were just getting placed and built and connected across our country, that was a challenging time for a lot of reasons. How did you get excited about talking about railroads? Well, it, it started really when I was teaching Kansas history at Fort Hayes State University. And uh, in trying to tell the story of Kansas, it became more and more obvious that, that the railroads were the key to understanding almost everything that happened from the founding of the, of the territory uh, through really into the early 20th century, the railroads dominated almost everything. And I, I have made the comparison that trying to tell the story of Kansas without the railroads would be like trying to tell the story of the Grand Canyon without including the Colorado River. It's just that important. <laughs> well, you know, if you're down by the university, those of us that live in the area, you know, there's the railroad still goes through town. And in many, many times it's you have to wait on the trains and that can be somewhat annoying and, and all of that. But back in the day, if there was not a train going out through our part of the country, it wasn't safe. It probably, you probably wouldn't even make it or you would stop somewhere else. Where does the train, and when you start talking about this, like you're going to do at the Historical Society next week, where do you start with the railroad? Because there's a lot of story that happened even before it made it to Kansas. I, I start by looking at the trails that were, the overland trails that crossed Kansas before the railroads, like Santa Fe Trail and Smoky Hill Trail and Oregon Trail. And then I talk about how the railroads changed all of that and the, the economy of it, the, the technology of it. And then I go into the background of Kansas territory, which was created for one primary purpose, and that was to expand railroads westward from Missouri. The area had been closed to settlement since 1820. It was considered Indian territory. There were 34 Indian reservations in what's now Kansas. Those were almost all cleared out in a hurry after the railroads came through, but uh, they uh, the land was closed to only people that could settle in Kansas besides Indians were military at the military posts like Fort Leavenworth and Fort Riley or Indian agents and their staff. Nobody else could settle in Kansas. But after the war between the United States and Mexico, we took three-fifths of Mexico and California became a free state in 1850, there was immediate talk, we need to build a transcontinental railroad. Railroads uh, had built into uh, really the Mississippi Valley area about as far as they had gone. And the uh, expansion westward, the only route open for a railroad to, to California was through Texas and New Mexico territory that included what's now Arizona. But almost all the railroad corporations, the big companies were in the Northern states. 
of New York and Philadelphia, Baltimore, Chicago. And they did not want a railroad going from the south to California. But everything western Missouri and Iowa was closed territory. So this led to the new legislation, the Kansas-Nebraska Act, to open these territories primarily to expand railroads. And as a result of that, the Southerners wouldn't vote for it in Congress. They said, you know, we've already got a route. Why should we give you a route? Well, then they came up with the plan. That 1820 decision had closed everything north and west of the southern border of Missouri to slavery. So they said, we will reopen that area to slavery, which the South really wanted because the balance of free states to slave states was in favor of the free states by this time. And so they got the votes, but what they didn't anticipate was the anti-slavery movement that turned Kansas territory into what we call bleeding Kansas, this warfare that took off between the pro-slave and the free state people. So that was, and that's before, and that's before any railroads were ever built in Kansas. Yeah, that's before any railroads, and uh, so we we have this conflict going on that leads directly into the Civil War. I mean, I think I, can, I think a case can be made. There are all kinds of compromises, you know, prior to this that avoided war, but when Kansas became a free state because they were thinking, you know, Kansas and Nebraska, that. Uh, one territory could become free and the other slave. And, you know, this would sort of help the balance. But it didn't turn out that way. We had, you know, we were fighting a war in, in Kansas Territory in 1856. And in the Battle of Blackjack uh, near Baldwin City is, con is considered by many people the first battle of the Civil War because it was the issue of whether or not Kansas would become a, a slave state or a free state. So that had to be settled. And as soon as Kansas Territory was created, the territorial legislature started chartering railroads. I mean, that's the reason they were here. And one of the railroads that they chartered in the first session of the territorial legislature in 1855, they chartered a railroad called the Union Pacific Railway. Well, it was called then the, uh, the Leavenworth, Pawnee, and Western. Now, Pawnee was to be the capital of Kansas Territory next, next to uh, Fort Riley Military Reservation. And they met there for a couple of days and the people that actually there were people in, in, the, in the territorial legislature that lived in Missouri <laughs> that mm -hmm. were elected to Kansas legislature. But they said this is too far from home. And so they moved the, the capital of the territory back to Shawnee, Michigan at that time. But they chartered four, four railroad companies. And one of those was the Leavenworth, Pawnee and Western, later changed to Pawnee, Fort Riley and Western. And then after the Pacific Railroad Acts were passed in 1862, they changed the name. Everybody wanted to get Pacific in their name. So it became the Union Pacific Railway Eastern Division. And of course, there, were, there was the Missouri Pacific, the Central Pacific, the Southern Pacific, Northern Pacific, the Central Pacific, all of these railroads, because that was their goal. We're going to be, you know, building a railroad to the West Coast. That railroad, chartered in 1855, became the first railroad to build across Kansas and completed a line from Kansas City to Denver in 1870. So it starts there right in the territorial period of, of charting that railroad. The first railroad built in Kansas, however, was in 1860, just on the eve of the Civil War. And it was the Elwood and Marysville Railroad from Elwood, Kansas, in the very northeast corner of the state or the territory. And the 
became a state. And the reason was the uh, Hannibal and St. Joseph Railroad in Missouri had built from the Mississippi River to the Missouri River across the river from Elwood, Kansas. So if you start a railroad there, all you have to do is ferry the goods across the river and put them on another train. And what they were planning to do was to uh, you know, go westward to Marysville and then branch north uh, and join the main Union Pacific that was going to build west from Omaha and uh, and have have a railroad in, in Kansas. Well, they built five miles and ran out of money and then the war started. So nothing happened uh, with railroad construction until the end of the Civil War. But again, the railroads were a major factor in the Civil War. The North had the superiority not only in population and and uh, economy, but they had superior railroads and larger number of railroad systems, and they managed to capture or destroy the bridges of many railroads in the Confederacy. So the railroads were kind of a key to to the outcome, played an important part in the outcome of the Civil War as well. But as soon as that war was over, great expansion uh, from the Civil War in the Civil War to 1900, the, the miles of railroad track in the nation increased about five times from 45,000 miles to over 215,000 miles. And Kansas grew from that five miles uh, up to, uh, well, almost 9,000 miles. By 1900, uh, Kansas had more miles of railroad track in operation per capita than any place else in the world, any state or any nation. And that's because of our central location. You know, this was this was the place to, to build westward, especially after Kansas City got the first bridge uh, over the Missouri River. That made Kansas City the dominant commercial uh, river in Kansas and Missouri on, on the Missouri River. But prior to that, Leavenworth was a more important uh, commercial center. But Leavenworth didn't get that bridge, although they wanted it. But the first bridge and that that made Kansas City the dominant area. And of course, they started building westward from there before the Civil War was over. They opened a line to, to Lawrence in December of 1864. And then that was extended to Topeka the next year, and then Junction City. And as that railroad built westward, that became the eastern end of the Santa Fe Trail, the Smoky Hill Trail. They, you, know, you shipped everything as far as possible with the railroad because it was about, uh, well, probably about 10% of the cost of, of shipping with a wagon train to ship by rail. And of course, it was a lot faster. Yeah, a lot train. faster. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. more convenient. Well, well Leo, I can think of about 100 questions to ask, but we're somewhat limited on time. So my sure. question, I'm going to have a couple. One, what was the impact? Because there's a lot of controversy around the the American Native Americans or the Indians that were here and building through that. How did that how did that work? Because you have the Civil War going on that was taking place. But then you also had the Native Americans that were based all throughout Kansas. And that had to create some controversy as well. Well, the first thing is the railroads wanted all the Indians removed because they wanted settlers that would produce, you know, agricultural crops mm -hmm. for, for the railroad. So and and also the Indians opposed the railroad. I mean, they started fighting against it because they realized that if that railroad gets built, that's the end of our our domination of this region. So it, it's a combination of factors. The railroad actually helped the army to get the Indians removed to the 
to the reservations in Oklahoma. And uh, new treaties were signed with the, with the uh, Southern Plains tribes to remove them. Uh, then there was a warfare, there was warfare that followed that because there, there was a, in 1865 treaty that was signed at present Wichita, the treaty said that the tribes could continue to hunt buffalo north of the Arkansas River because they needed that food. Then in 1867, they did a new treaty, the Treaty of Medicine Lodge. It's about the same treaty, except it said they could no longer hunt north of the Arkansas. So in 1868, when they appear, believing that they can hunt north of the Arkansas, uh, or, or hoping they can, uh, they are considered in, in violation of, of the treaties. And so the, the army uh, starts moving them to Indian territory. But that that's all connected with the railroad. The railroad made the buffalo slaughter possible, too. Uh, from 1872 to 1874, the railroads on the Great Plains shipped seven and a half million buffalo hides out of the Great Plains to the east and to Europe. And this was part of a new development of, of tanning that made it possible, to, a cheap uh, process to create leather for belts in industry as well as for other leather uses. And so the great you know, slaughter of the bison helped eliminate the Indians. That was their food supply and everything else. You know, Leo, that's an amazing part of the story too. And and again, there's, there's so much history that ties into this that the railroads were leading that because of the shipment of the hides and doing that. But the number of buffalo that were in this area just was completely uh, almost eliminated uh, during that time period. But if it would not been for the trains, those hides couldn't have made it back. So yeah, the there, was, there was no other way they could have transported them. And the estimates are that in 1840, there were 40 million uh, bison on the Great Plains. In 1886, the estimate is there were a thousand of them left. So that's that's the great slaughter. Wow. Okay, Leo, we need to take a quick break here. We're going to take a break. I want to talk about two things when we come back. The importance of railroads today and, and maybe even passenger service, how that all got started and how soon that played a role into not only our area, but, but Kansas in general. Our guest today is Leo Oliva, who is talking about railroads and the importance of those to the state of Kansas. He'll be speaking at the Kansas Historical Society. We'll have more of his comments, more of his story after this on For Whatever. Challenging times are when experience matters. We allow our clients to live with confidence, long-term trusted relationships, worth wealth management, enhancing lives and strengthening families. Welcome back to Forward Ever Leading in Challenging Times. Our guest is Leo Oliva, and he, Leo is part of a group and, and has worked in history at Fort Hay State University, teaching history there that's going to be speaking. Leo will be speaking at the Ellis County Historical Society on Thursday, this coming Thursday, October 19th, at the, at the Historical Society building in downtown Hayes, 7th and Main. Leo, we left talking about the importance of railroads. Does the public understand this? Well, every, everybody wanted a railroad. Every town wanted a railroad. And railroads created towns and destroyed towns. There are an estimated 6,000 ghost towns and dead towns. The dead town you know, was planned but never got started. Mm -hmm. And the railroad was the key to that. And uh, an example in this area, the town of Nicodemus, the African-American town, was never, it never got a railroad. 
it was bypassed and that was deliberate because of the African-Americans. It's just like when they laid out the federal highway, it didn't go through Nicodemus. It went a mile away from it. But the, the railroads created or, or destroyed towns. Uh, my favorite story is, is the town of, of Santa Fe in, in Haskell County that was a county seat. But the railroad, when they built through, decided to go south of there and they founded the town of Sublette. And the town of Santa Fe, uh, everything moved to Sublette. And now what was the town of Santa Fe is a cattle feed lot today. So that's just an example of how important the railroad railroads were. And uh, the uh, the main lines that were built, like the uh, the Union Pacific Railway Eastern Division, of course, Hayes was located on that. And so it it was a railroad town. It was founded. They, they moved the fort in, at, at that time to be closer to the railroad. And the town of Hayes City was founded as a railroad town. And this would this would be true of, of, of the entire state. Where the railroads went, that's the towns that developed. And no major city in Kansas developed without a railroad in, in the late 19th century. Leo, one of the things that has also played into this, and that's passenger service. Because, yeah. you know, you, it's one thing to haul merchandise, but people had to get out there and the trains were the main form of transportation. When did that start with the, the people side of that? And is there ever going to be a chance we get passenger service back in our area? Well, passenger service was, was part of the, of the very beginning of train service. And that's how settlers got here. And the trains encouraged immigration because they were given one in every five acres of land in Kansas to help pay the cost of construction. So they're recruiting immigrants in Europe, bringing them here to settle. The Volga Germans of Ellis County uh, and Rush County were brought here by the railroads. Uh, and the same is true of, of groups in, throughout Kansas uh, of, of settlers. And passenger service was the key to everything. And all these railroads had passenger service uh, in the beginning. And that, what was that like? What was passenger service like on the first trains that were out here? Well, actually, the, the passenger cars, they, they were fairly nice. And, uh, of course, the, the, the sleeper cars developed a little bit later, but the, the passenger cars were nice. They didn't have food service on, on the trains. The dining cars came a little bit later. So they had to stop. You know, they had lunch stops and you get off the train. And you would buy a meal, and by the time you got your meal got served, they were tooting the whistle, get back on the train. So they probably were eating on the train. But of course, Fred Harvey changed all that with his, uh, well, first of all, with with the fancy uh, restaurants and hotels, and then of course the dining car. But we had we had the best passenger service, and I might just mention that all the trains were contracted with the U.S. Postal Service to carry the mail. They sorted the mail on the trains. We had the best mail delivery service we've ever had at that time as well. But that all changed with the automobile and, of course, the, the decline of uh, passenger uh, service availability. Uh, I remember uh, when I was a kid, we had they were called doodle bugs. These were diesel powered, uh, sort of like a bus on, on tracks. And uh, the, the, you could you could it was mainly passenger service. But those all closed out really right after World War II and passenger service in this country. If you compare the passenger service, uh, rail service of all the industrial nations in the world, the United States is at the bottom today. And that, that's because we just didn't promote it. And, uh, you know, the Europeans uh, have, have the 
Japanese, the Chinese all have these fantastic high-speed rail systems for passenger service, and it's hard for us to keep Amtrak alive. Uh, and there are proposals, but I, I don't see that there's much hope of, of developing this. I think it would be a great service if we had it. Leo, you're going to be talking about the railroads and, and all of this uh, at the Ellis County Historical Society building on Thursday night, October 19th. I think your program starts at 7 p.m. that evening, and yeah. you'll be talking about that. People can ask questions and yeah. uh, do some of that. So I'm really pleased that you could join me today on this and talk about it because there'll be people that may have some questions that want to come out. I assume there'll be some question and answer time for people oh, to ask. Oh, of course, yeah. And I always like to have people that have worked for the railroad in my audience, if possible. So, there, uh, there's some history there, too. And family members that maybe yeah. came over. You talk about some of the, the families that settled here early on. I'm betting right. you that they came on the railroad. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yep. You know, it's one so thing to be on a stagecoach. It's another thing to be on the railroad. It was a different yeah. ball game. So, Leo, thank you so much for joining us today. And I know people are looking forward to your presentation at the Historical Society this coming Thursday, October 19th at 7 p.m. Yeah, thank you. I'm looking forward to it. Leo, thanks so much. And thanks to you for listening to Forward Ever. Leading in Challenging Times is brought to you by Worth Wealth Management, where you can live with confidence. I'm Gary Shorman. Thanks for joining us for Forward Ever, Leading in Challenging Times, presented by Worth Wealth Management. Join us right here next week for another episode with host Gary Shorman. Until then, remember to move forward ever, backward never. It's now on our watch. America's been tested before, many times. We salute those that are on the front line, in our own backyard, and well beyond. And those that lead us to a better tomorrow, our roots run deep, and so do our relationships. Let's move forward together. Live with confidence, worth wealth management. There is a tomorrow that shines upon a better day. We'll move forward together.